0: Hello, my friends. This episode is the full hour we spent on gain staging. It was heavily requested by people, so we just took the whole hour to answer questions, um, to describe some basics and get into some really uh, nitty-gritty, esoteric details about gain staging, John's philosophy, my philosophy. Uh, We really go into it. Uh, I think it was useful for a lot of people. Please let us know if there are other specific topics or if we can go further on gain staging or anything else. As always, we want to make it a resource for you guys. This was streamed on my Instagram, at Matthew Rad on September 8th. If you guys like what we're doing, subscribe, share it with somebody, give us a review, five stars. We appreciate it a lot. Here's my full hour with John. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you as well. How are you, my friend? I'm fantastic. I talked to you a bit uh, earlier. How's your How's your mix going? Do we both have holes in our shirt? Yes, we do. That's right. Well, I saw your I saw yours earlier when we chatted, and I was like, I'm going to get the old school no effects shirt I got when I was like 12 years old. It's uh, nice and vintage. Uh, How you doing? How's your Did you you finish up your mix? You said you were uh, you were mixing a little bit earlier.
1: Yeah, no, I did, and I needed a break from it. So I, I took 20 minutes away before we jumped on here. Just is actually one, one of the first in a while to be killing me. Like, I don't understand this kind of straight-up pop music. It's just like, there's nothing interesting about it. Uh, I'll keep the, the
0: name of the artist out, obviously. Of course, of course, of course. It's just, like, not interesting at all. Is it just something that you feel like everything is, like, numerically correct, but there's no heart, no soul, that kind of thing? Sure, I don't know what numerically correct
1: necessarily <laughs> means. I mean, watch it be like the biggest song I work on. I'll tell, I'll tell nobody I did it. It's just like, oh god, it's one of those. It's one of those decisions. Like you say yes to a gig, and you're like, well, I actually, don't really want people to know just for the fact that I don't want to be hired for this style of music constantly because mm. it doesn't really it's not my forte and it doesn't give me the feedback that I'm looking for in a
0: project. That's a, that's not- an interesting, uh, an interesting discussion for another time, of course, because we're going to do gain staging today. But uh, every time I've had a successful song um, immediately, and this is, it's great news, but it's an interesting conundrum that you immediately get hired or people ask you to do the same thing you just did over and over. Yes. Um, you might as well love it. Yeah. And, and even, you know, and, even if you love the thing that you did like you know my my first hit was this Andy Grammer song fine by me which is like a hot AC hit here oh I know that song (laughs) yeah I think I was supposed to mix that song uh, I don't think so because I mixed it. Um, yeah, but I think I was supposed. W- maybe I think Tony
1: and I were supposed to mix that back in maybe. the day. Maybe they probably uh, just had you do it instead. They they used my. Or mix you said I, I want to use. I want to <laughs>
0: mix it. Honestly, I don't think they had any more money because they didn't pay me that much for it. Was, you know, it was like an indie label uh, yeah. or an indie through a major. But but a, like for the next year, everybody's like, "Can we do a song like that?" And I'm like, "I already did that. I want to do something else." Yeah, exactly. Um, but also maybe a different thing as a producer, writer versus a mixer. You can. You know, you can do all kinds of... Anyway, um, so today uh, we decided... The last few weeks, there have been lots of questions about gain staging. Um, And so we decided that we will do the whole hour today on it. And I I figured, you know, you and I talked earlier because I wanted to make sure we're on the same page. I think the best way to do it is to kind of do it in an arc over the hour where we do some basics uh, at the beginning and then get into more nuanced stuff and get into questions and that sort of thing. Um, I figure... Since you are probably the uh, the expert um, on a lot of the questions that people have from the from a mixing standpoint, I will start out and give my overall um, thoughts on it, and then you can kind of take it from there and correct me where I'm wrong or or give sure. give nuanced opinions that sort of thing. Um, so you know, there's, there's there were people that, that were asking really specific questions, and then there were people that were asking like, "What is game staging?" So I think it's worth going through it from from my perspective, basically. Um, Gain staging and signal flow are very intertwined. Um, they're mm-hmm. worth both Googling and checking out. But the idea basically is that at every step of the recording, mixing, music creation process, every single step, there is a dynamic range of whatever you are using. Um, and yeah. it starts with, uh, in a lot of places, a microphone, there is a maximum amount of level that the microphone can take before it starts distorting. And then below a certain amount, it's just really noisy. Now, back in the day, and this this is, includes in when you start recording things, you put something through a compressor, you're summing it in a computer, there's a, a, a the loudest possible volume or the loudest possible sound and the quietest possible sound, there's a range that's called dynamic range. And when you get to the top, you start distorting. And back in the day, when you were recording on tape machines, you had a smaller dynamic range where at the bottom there was a lot of hiss, a lot of noise. The noise floor was very high and the the top part of the dynamic range would start distorting. That's how you get tape saturation, things like that. And so. Recording engineers had to make things hot enough to where maybe distort it a little bit, but not too much, but maybe some sounds you could push more than others. But if you had a very dynamic sound, you'd want to use a compressor going into it because you wouldn't want to get this hissy sound when you start turning it up. Um, but these days yeah. with uh, with digital technology, you basically don't have to worry about the noise floor. So you don't have to worry about things being too quiet. Very often there are, there are places that that... Um, can come into play. But I think for 99% of people, 99% of the time, what you're really worried about is the upper end of your dynamic range because you get distortion. And digital distortion, yeah. although might be used as a creative tool occasionally, is mostly unpleasant. It kills transients. It, it, it does all the things you don't want to do um, yeah, for, the, for the most part. And so at every stage of recording, mixing, processing, mastering, all that kind of stuff, you are dealing with... Um, getting near the top end of the dynamic range and you start to lose transients, you start to get distortion. Sometimes it's audible, sometimes it's not. And actually the stuff that's not as immediately audible, um, might be, might be more relevant to our discussions because if you get a bunch of that and then you accumulate it together, you're losing fidelity and clarity. Um, so basically yeah. at every stage of your signal flowing from somebody singing in a room to a microphone, to a preamp, compressor, EQ, um, getting into your, uh, your digital audio workstation through your converters, whatever you're using at every stage. And, and plugins, every plugin has uh, a meter where things can hit the red, it has a dynamic range. So every step of the process, make sure that your signal is loud enough that it's uh, it's coming through, but not so loud that you're going to be distorting. Um, and I think one of the things that I, I certainly have done in the past and run into, and, and probably what we'll talk about a lot, is when you start taking a multi-track where lots and lots of individual signals that may not be clipping, and you add them together, you sum them into a master bus or subgroups or any of this sort of stuff. When you sum them together, they become louder than you know the individual uh, sounds themselves. So you need to be aware of what levels all of the what gain how much gain is on all of these accumulated elements how they add up so that your sum total your summing doesn't then distort and you keep your dynamic range and so i think i'll, I'll let you take it from here but there's discussions about you know digital the 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 ceiling of digital is at zero and so there's discussions of how close to zero do you want to get? And um, I think I'll let you take it from here. I know we, we want to talk about things more philosophically, yeah. and then of course we'll get into more specific. But philosophically, what we're talking about is signal flow and dynamic range at every step of the process so that you are not distorting. So I don't know if you want to just sort of take take a little bit from that. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm normally best at describing uh, real life circumstances. So this morning I was doing notes on a mix and the producer asked, to turn this is like this is this is as as um as close to perfect of an example as i can come up with it just happened you okay, command like this is all sounding great um can we try the kick drum up 1.5 db and the snare down 2 db and i was like whoa kick drum up 1.5 db in the way we mix these days close to zero like as you know peak is zero basically and um, Lufs is whatever, and we've already talked about the differences there. Uh, I was like, sure, like if that's what you want to hear, like let's do it. I think I was able to get it up one dB without it distorting, but it was started clamping down the mix, and like I could hear it move. But I'm like, all right, well let's see what he what he thinks. So I sent it, and producer goes, ah oh, shit, yeah, now it sounds like it's hitting the compressor or limiter or something too hard. I'm like, yes, like that's that's obvious, but I'm not going to make that call if someone wants to hear their kick drum up. So where I come at gate staging is from headroom, right? So the kick
0: sometimes headroom, headroom being let's 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 just define as we go and I'll, I'll stop if you don't mind. Yeah, headroom is the room between where you're at and the peak level of let's say zero. How much how much room you have to go up. Uh well, or is it or is it conceptually anything? Headroom between where you're at and something compressing. Well what's too much. what's left before zero
1: from okay. wherever. I mean, you have headroom in your life, you know, within a
0: day, right? You have like 24 hours, the closest you get, closer to get to sleep. Headroom the less, is headroom. How, how much you have left above your head before you hit the ceiling. I mean, that's where it yeah. comes from, right? The ceiling being yeah, right. zero. So how much room you have above the current level of any particular thing?
1: Yeah. So, one, you know, once I, once I turn it up the way he asked, uh, it started clamping the mix down. So it's starting to distort subtly. It's starting to compress differently than we had in the mix up to this point. So now the groove is going to change. Things are going to start to change. And his overall thought was, oh, well, now that the balances are where I wanted, how about we just lower everything? And I was like, oh, what a great note. So we just take everything down about a dB or two created headroom and now transients are starting to pop it sounds less compressed it starts to groove harder mix is done right so i could have just done that on the next pass i could have taken all the faders down and left besides the kick and left it where it was at and he might have said the same thing but there's so much change that he would have not would have noticed that's different than if he had to come to that with his own realization of okay now because the kick is up Bob, you can you can see the the train of events that that occurred there. But <coughs> I'm supposed to know how much headroom and know my gain staging. So when that note is given to me, I know how it's going to affect the mix. So I knew exactly what was going to happen there. So I understood the gain staging. And what I'd like to get across today is kind of understanding gain staging, not necessarily all the specifics on how to do because I can't tell you put your kick at minus six because I'd be a hypocrite because today on a pop mix I'm doing, the one that I don't really like very much, the kick is hitting at zero. But the rough mix and the vibe of it, its du- everything's ducking on the kick and not like a side chain. It sounds like a limiter being hit. On, like the, on, the par-
0: ma- on the master bus. On yeah.
1: the master bus. So that's the vibe. And no mixer or producer or finisher or anything wants to be the vibe killer of a record ever. We want to either enhance vibe or leave vibe. So... That's why I get hired. I don't ruin people's vibes. Uh, I enhance things appropriately within the headroom that I am either given or give myself. So let's start with the first thing I do in every mix to create headroom is I take every fader and we're gonna go through two ways. These are two specifics. I take every fader uh, conceptually. I don't actually use the fader here. So this is really important. And we're gonna come back to this in a second. I lower everything by 6 dB, and I give myself 6 dB of headroom to start, and then I AB with the rough mix to hear what now the limiter is doing differently so the vibe is changing. But I give myself 6 dB in every mix. Either I'm doing it or my assistant is doing it. I usually do it because I like my assistant to deliver me a mix prep that sounds exactly like the last rough mix that was um, – you know, sent by the producer, so the session corresponds to that. And then, because it's a little bit bold and it takes a lot of work to kind of remake um, fine adjustments for a vibe. But I'm giving myself headroom. Now, to do that, um, output faders or clip gain faders, exactly. I clip gain everything because I want my faders to hit, at z- I want all my faders to be at zero all the time, minus a couple of automation rides that I might do to to move some things but zero is from what I know, and I don't think it's changed once things went floating point. I'm pretty sure at zero you're getting the best resolution in every daw. The minute your faders are over zero, things start not sounding good. It could be psychological to me. I don't think it is though. I'm pretty sure faders above zero start to lose fidelity and below uh dramatically, maybe like a few dB down. So to me and I've been told this for years, so I kind of just go with this. I think it's a good place to start. Keep your faders at zero as much as you possibly can. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky and you might have to rewind the video to understand what I'm saying here a little bit. So you can't just clip gain, meaning I can't just take all the faders and clip gain because there might be some saturator or a compressor or a limiter or some other sonic manipulating tool on that if you clip gain the input into that, the sound will now change, right? So you're creating yourself headroom thinking you're doing yourself a favor, but you're changing vibe now. Because you're changing that saturation amount, you're changing that compression amount, which is going to change the feel, like we always talk about with
0: compression. So, sorry, interrupt you real quick. This is what we talk Please. about with sig- signal flow. So you have a, a, a recorded exactly. audio file, and you're, you are talking about clip gain, which is manipulating the level of the audio file before it hits any plugins, the input. any effects. The input. input. But the problem, of course, as you're saying, and it's just the same as with your mix bus where if you have a compressor after the audio and you're manipulating the volume here, it's going to go into the compressor and hit it differently. Yes, It'll hit your differently. saturator differently. So you this is how to
1: understand signal flow and gain staging. Yeah, You have to understand your input and your output, right? So when you're working um, to create headroom, determine where you're going to get your 6 dB or whatever you guys choose. I'm just like, th- I'm throwing out a number. I go six down because that to me seems like a... Um, a middle ground of where it gives me enough room, but it doesn't lose vibe. And if it does, it's vibe I can get back with.
0: Certain well, and, uh, and part of the reason of what you're saying is if you're getting a mix session from someone and it has stuff on drum bus, master bus, mix bus, that yes. sort of thing, that like same thing with one signal going into a compressor. If all of the multitrack is going into a compressor and you reduce the volume, all this stuff, it's going to hit everything the compressor changes. less. Everything changes. But the reason to do that is if you start with everything there, you don't really have any, you don't have any head you don't have anywhere to go up because like you said when you turned yeah. up the kick one db on your mix this morning or whenever it was um yeah, then all of a sudden it changes dramatically how everything feels so the yep. reason you drop it is so then you have room to play in there before you then decide how much compression because you're going to readjust things you're not just readjusting the compression on. no the mix.
1: i don't quickly no i don't ab with the rough minus six db as well the rough stays the same because you have to hear the rough as it was sent you have to hear the rough mix as was intended all the time. So my mix is going to sound so much quieter and then I have to use my trained, you know, mix engineer brain and ears to remake certain things. Like I was texting my homie um, uh, Volta yesterday from OG Volta because I'm I'm doing a mix for them. And I was like, yo, just letting you know that I'm going to take a while on this one because I'm going to rebuild Your gain structure here, because it was a co-production, and he he wasn't, they weren't loving exactly where they had it, which is for the first time because it's rare they usually have a pre-dialed in. But I was up front. I was like, hey, I'm about to rebuild your gain structure, so I have to listen a lot. I have to listen to the sustain of their low end because they they compress low end to their liking, real almost perfect, perfectly. But this one, it was doing too much overall to other elements that weren't feeling right. So. This is this is game staging. These are examples of understanding game staging. And it's very important, but it's very important on how you get that headroom because you just minimize the sacrifice of vibe. And that's where I'm coming from, real, like real life mixing in the moment. Um, you can't just say, well, I'm giving myself 6 dB and then it's now better. Yeah. That's not, that's ne- almost never the case.
0: Understanding um, conceptually what's happening is the really important part so, because you know, dropping things 6 dB is just basically saying I'm dropping the faders so then I have room to play with them and they're in a relationship. Because if you start with everything as loud as it's going to go, like I said, you can't go higher. So some people might go 6, some people might go 10, some people... Yeah, I've gone
1: more than 6. I'm just... 6 to me is a safe starting place to understand. But yeah, go as far as you need to to get that low end hitting right. This is how you dial in. When people ask like how I dial in low end, this is the answer. Then I can get my 808, my kick, my bass, to hit with the right length for a full 60 hertz cycle to give me that length of the kick that I'm looking for. And then I can rebuild around that with the vocal and understand. And then I'll remake wherever that overly aggressive limiting from the rough mix was coming from. I'll figure it out, there are ways to do it. But let's just jump back um, to input and output. So if you have nothing on the track, clip gain that region down, 6 dB. If it's going into a compressor, Change that output of the compressor, 60B. Is there an EQ after it? Do you want to put a trim plug in after it? However, you want to do it, find a way that changes the output of that track or channel or whatever it is. And so you can lower it at 6 dB if there's that um, character on it already. Yeah, if there, if
0: there are plugins giving it character, make sure you're changing the, the volume at the end of the chain. Because if you yes. change it going into it, it's going to change compression, distortion, that sort of thing.
1: Yes. So, uh, But I would I would uh, refrain from lowering the fader just sonically in DAWs. I would do it on a plugin and keep the faders at zero.
0: It's also so, so conceptually, I mean, maybe this doesn't apply to a lot of people, but if you have everything... Um, fairly balanced and your faders are at zero versus all over the place it just it's like a cleaner work environment or something like you then usually yes
1: you can commit the tracks. that's a really good question zach yes you can commit the tracks but why do you want to what if you want to you want to manipulate the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. after the uh, i'm talking about giving yourself headroom with it being exactly the same yes of course you can commit the tracks just make sure you're committing it, and it's not the processing that originated on the track is not doing harm. You know, yes, of course you can do that.
0: Yeah. The, the uh, well, I. policy see. There, there's one question um, that. Yeah. Anything was, to this was, was, was kind of nice about this, where talk about adding adding EQ plugins where you're boosting or adding a compressor plugin. People yep. do you change. Do you change the output gain? And the answer yeah, I think talk. is. I was gonna say it's mostly mostly yes that you wanna you want if you're putting a some of the compressor plugins I know you're not a big compressor guy in your mix but a lot of the compressor plugins will actually add a little bit of gain. It's which annoying, is just, which is annoying as fuck. No, it's can, why I don't you, like compressor plugins. You can change the defaults on a lot of these. I've done it with some of them that I use, but. Yeah. Really, if you're going to add an EQ or add a compressor, um, as that applies to gain staging and signal flow, what you should do is you should have a, a signal that's about here, you add a compressor, and then the, the resulting signal is about the same level, just sounds a little compressed. That's the way to really yeah. adjust it. You're going to have to uh, you add your compressor and then adjust the output gain and A, B, so it's pretty similar. So you can actually hear what the compressor is doing and not be fooled by it raising the volume in some respect. And then also if it raises the volume, you're then changing the relationship across all of the multi-track where all of a sudden one of your tracks is louder and then you're pulling down the, like,
1: you want things
0: to come in and out at a very similar volume.
1: Yeah, so especially when you're in the mix process, producers and artists and managers and the teams have dialed in Vibe, you know, for, for weeks, a month, months, years, for so long and you throw a compressor on, A guitar track and it makes it 3DB louder, but you're like, oh shit, that guitar sounds sick. Meanwhile, the background vocals now are covered by the strumming acoustic guitar that they were like, yo, that was an afterthought for rhythm. Like, we barely even wanted that there, but you're like, damn, that's so good. Like, yeah, that's not a Jason Mraz track, though. This is something else. Like, we don't need it to be up like that. You you, ha- you always have to be a being what you're adding because, well, what is it doing to the sound? And then what is it doing to the song, to the record? Just because the guitar sounds tight now doesn't mean the guitar was supposed to sound that good to begin with, right? So that's why you're adding this um, this plugin. Every plugin should be determined and deemed uh better or or worse i guess for lack of better words i kind of hate those words but um they do serve a purpose uh, for educational things. Yeah, like when you're this,
0: when you're when you're adding things into your chain, into your signal flow, something starting here, adding something in the middle, you don't want to then change the volume. The volume relationship should stay the same for yeah. the most part. I mean, maybe there's some there's some reasons. We to really do it have
1: well. to this this whole conversation. To me, I, I'm sure you'll agree, because it's this is one of the most important, especially for mixers. For mixers, this is the most important thing i think um when it comes to producers it's equally as important but they forget about it a lot of times in the room because of vibe and yeah and that's i think that's okay to be to to some degree um i'd imagine you'd want to pull down your faders uh at the end of every day just so the artist would live with a i mean i would do this every time as a mixer producer when i was in the room before i sent a mix out i would change it because get, get uh, your game staging right get so you're it right
0: stuck into something
1: exactly and the artist isn't really going to know remember the difference that subtly of level because the volume of the speakers changes in the room yep. a lot when you're writing so it, it's not like oh don't change it is this is not one of those don't change it things this is one of those i think you can change it and no one's gonna know and at the end of every day, let's get it back to that. So um, to the producers that are that are watching, I, I think it's something to consider in in that space. But for mixers, this is the most important thing you can do to understand um, what the what the revision uh, process is going to be like. So when someone asks you to turn up something a, a substantial amount, you you can do it without it affecting everything else, right? And now that is sometimes extremely difficult with, with uh, loudness, um, you know, levels right now that people that producers are sending rough mixes out because of the thing I'm mentioning before about the end of the day and they don't turn down because they don't either understand gain staging, think it's not cool, uh, which is fine. Fuck if you don't think it's cool. Like find an engineer that thinks it's cool and can handle it for you, then so you're not ruining, fucking records. Um, but. I don't give a fuck about cool factor of engineering. I just think that overall headroom is cool um, so people don't get boxed in.
0: Yeah, let's maybe, um, let's get to a couple uh, questions. Um, okay, how do you think about, uh, Dylan asked about uh, game staging for transient rich signals. Do you have any particular thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, let's actually, that's gonna be part of this. How do you bring back, what is this question? It's a good question. How do you usually achieve uh, bringing back the aggressive character of a limited rough mix? Yeah, yeah, this is like, this, this is the sauce, man. I can't be giving all the sauce out. Okay, uh, give, give uh, it, give I, it. I've talked about this earlier on. I mean, exciters, multi-band saturators, so you can really refine the band that you're that you're, um, you know, giving that aggression from. Let's say let's say that there's an overall smashed mix that the kick drum is ducking everything. But also at the same time it's giving like maybe a synth uh, an overly aggressive um, upper mid range, but that sound itself doesn't actually have overly aggressive mid range but it's the 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 leveling of that sound that's bringing that forward right so I think like let's think of it this way here 's the kick drum and here's the synth that actually exists, but because you 're limiting it, you're starting to do this so now the synth sounds like it has all this upper mid range information but When you take the limiter off, it actually doesn't, it sits back here. Now, a lot of that energy is great. It's like, say it's Prince Juno, uh, aggressive synth, you know, buzzy thing and bright, and you need that for that chorus. But for some reason now doesn't have that. Well, let's listen. Let's A, B. Well, where is that coming from? Is that between 1.5 and 3.5K? Like, where is that? Think numerically as an engineer. We're supposed to hear those bands. It'll probably be pretty broad stroke and wide band. It'll probably not be super narrow um, and pointy. It'll probably be broad character, right? So take a saturating plug-in that's multiband and take that and turn that shit up like let's just here turn it up as far as it goes like i'll take the ozone Eight exciter for example and i'll take that upper mid-range band and i'll distort it as far as it can go and then i'll choose um i'll I'll flip through all the different characters whether it's tape tube warm retro whatever triode dual triode all the ones that they have and i'll see which one gives me the closest character and i'll a b between every fucking listen yeah. And I'll check which one's closest to that, which one's improving it. Is this clearly a better version of that now or is it just enough to resemble it? You know, I I might want to make it a bit more um a, a bit more fully realized version of what that limiter was doing, but this is the this is my this is my game. This is what I'm what I'm in this for is to correctly uh, without relying, as we talked about in earlier episodes, relying on one plugin that's giving all the vibe? How do we instill the vibe that one plugin was doing more independently so there's more control over things? And this will let us have control over transients on each sound so we can get things to be more activated feeling and exciting and energetic and not just flattened. Um, give you control over punch instead of punch, faux punch, like that fake clipped um, kick drum punch that every fucking mix has. I'm like, that's not what kick sounded like. That's not what Dre's kick sound like, mm. you know, and, and, and Dre shit, uh, Kendrick shit, like Ali doesn't do shit like that. He's not broad stroked. You can hear him. You can hear his nuance. Like that's what we want.
0: Uh, so it, the, the thing that it seems like we're uh, taking a, a step back. Those are great details. What we're talking about with game staging and signal flow. The reason to understand those is to be able to take in this example, something that is extremely limited as a rough mix and then, but because you can basically just take a a modern bunch of sounds, jam it through a limiter and get a certain kind of excitement out of it and that's what a lot of people will do but you as a mixer or the people out there that are really mixers, and it applies to producers, engineers yeah. uh, as well, what you can do by understanding gain staging and how much headroom you have with limiters, things like that, is to basically decide how much of the uh, mix bus glue versus getting the same effect with more control, more dynamic range, more transients. So it's not just, okay, it either goes through a limiter um, saturator on the mix bus or not. It's okay. It's going through this much on the rough mix and that's exciting, but I'm going to reduce it a bit. And then use some of these tools and understanding the game staging but then understanding harmonic saturation those are yeah. sort of transient shaping to achieve some of the same excitement while getting more dynamic range i mean that's you know you talked about it a bit with your with your Khalid mix because the disclosure guys have such an amazing sound and you were able to open it up just a little bit by Understanding their game staging, understanding what a great sound yeah. they got, but then doing some tweaking, reducing the level a little bit, uh, and
1: very specifically with the intention to making it more R&B, less EDM, like their like their sound is, right? To make it more Khalid, more that artist, not to do it because I wanted to do it, to do it because it was more appropriate for that artist.
0: And using these a, things for creative tools, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Understanding. So let let's uh, also on that note just thinking historically in the last kind of 10, 20 years w- when, you know, there's so many modern limiter um, tools have been a- around about that amount of time. Now um, when you're in the room as a writer and a producer, there's nothing wrong with doing that broad stroke vibe move to get it to be loud, to- loud enough to hear it in your car. Like I don't want to turn off people from doing that move. I just want to talk about that. I think that move should be temporary. And because we've all done it, I mean, I, I, again, I'm a I'm a mixer, but also when I was producing records, I did that. I put a limiter on harder than I would in a final mix, knowing I would be doing what I'm talking about now.
0: Because it's quick excitement. Because yes. when you're when you're in the creative flow, speed is often more important.
1: Yes, yeah, so I don't want to demonize it. I don't want to say that people are doing the wrong thing. I think that can be used correctly. I would say maybe don't go over four dB of. Uh, uh, of gain addition like hmm. i got uh, uh on this pop thing i 'm doing there's eight db of reduction happening on a l two and the faders are like or the, the 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 tracks are so quiet all I have to do is clip gain everything up eight db and then not use the limiter it's like it's it's a little bit dumb shit to be honest it's like a little bit uh i mean this is obvious like why do you need to get eight db of gain when you actually have headroom on your tracks like that that one doesn't really. I don't understand that one, to be honest.
0: Um, but this is this is an understanding of of game staging, which is there is a there is a reason to slap on a limiter to get volume at the end of a writing session. You want to go listen to it in a car or something like that. But understanding why you're doing something, uh, Phil in there said intention. That's the that's what we're always trying to talk about on here. Is what are the fundamentals? Why are we doing things? How do they work? And then. Why would you use them? What is the purpose, and it doesn 't mean you always have to have uh, the the you, you take off the l two you do no limiting and you achieve everything with a transient shaper. It may be that some of the excitement can come out of that, but um, it's understanding what these tools do and then why you might want to use them
1: yeah uh, yeah uh, understanding headroom understanding tools, understanding all the things that make you a professional, right? We're supposed to understand the limits of this technology. I mean, that's what a professional does. An electrician goes in and, and knows the ins and outs of what it means to wire up a house or a commercial building. I'm supposed to know how to wire up a mix from start to finish. And if you don't and you're pretending, you're not gonna last very long. Yeah. There's always gonna be someone that knows it better and still has more vibe than you do, right? So that you, you have to know how, that, how it works from in and out, you have to
0: yeah um edwin just asked on there when when do you use a when do you use a limiter and and we're just saying yeah there's there's all kinds of there's all kinds of uses for all this stuff i think the idea really being that if you're after speed and edwin's an artist and and producer that a lot of times you don't want to be spending yeah, you know, when you're writing a song, you don't want to be spending thirty minutes getting the transient just right to get. The, no, you're trying to get the excitement out, and so that's one of the places where cool. Strap on a limiter, get that level, go bang or in the car, or pick a kick
1: drum with the transient that you like.
0: Pick, I mean, pick a kick, pick a kick. Yeah. So, and using these things, we use them quickly, but then when you when you're going to the mix stage, see if there's a better way to do that. And by understanding gain staging, how loud, how hard you're hitting the limiter, maybe you hit it about half as much. Try some transient stuff. There's basically the reason is to give yourself more tools to achieve this kind yeah. of stuff.
1: I just, I love circumstances like today where, because I had my headroom dialed in and I understood what was happening. When someone asked me for something, a kick drum, a DB louder, and I know I'm already at my, my peak, like where, where I want that loudness to go. I was so set up that it was clear that that note opened up Pandora's box and ru- basically ruined the feel of the mix and that triggered him to go, why don't we just turn everything down? And now it's a, it's a whole different different mix. It's a whole different production in a sense. It grooves even more because I'm trying to maintain the rough mix, so I'm kind of leaving things the way that he had it because it's pretty dialed in. And now because of that move, we got to a mix that I think is better than even my match the rough vibe kind of mix too. Like I think it got even better because the headroom issue made itself known quickly, which is super cool. And if you're not aware of that, then you're not going to capture that, that moment. That's a, that's a good luck moment. That's a, oh, we both realized this? Well, let's fix it. And then then, the, you know, then all the fire emojis came after that, right? So you're like, oh yeah, well, we did something right.
0: Well, um, Alex, uh, Alexander here asked a, a good question. It's sort of what I was talking about. When you're producing and the arrangement is changing a lot, how do you compensate for adding or taking away something? Um, I think part of that answer is, don't be mixing straight into a limiter right away. Because when you're producing, you're adding things, you're changing things, you're basically mixing yeah. on the fly. And that's why one of the reasons gain staging and understanding signal flow and gain staging is so important because if you get a little, you get a drum sound, a guitar, and a bass, and then you limit the shit out of it, and then you're trying to add more stuff to it, then everything gets too tangled up and you don't have any headroom. Yeah, Things can kind of get fucked up that way. So understanding signal flow and gain staging, that's, that's the reason to understand it. So you're, so you're not, you don't paint yourself into a corner.
1: Yeah, I think, man, I, yeah, I wouldn't have a limiter on if you're doing that. If you're arranging from the beginning and you're taking out your guitar, I don't, yeah, this is, this is going to be a tricky one. I kind of want to work it out though. So say you're changing the voicings on your guitar and you got some, some low thick voicings on the guitar and you're like, actually I want to voice this higher. So you're now uh you have less body to the guitar sound because of how you're voicing it, but because you have a limiter on you might be getting faux body to the guitar still it's like we don't want that we want the right body in the guitar determined by the guitar voicing and the sound of the guitar, not by the limiter i mean no one's ever chose their sonic arrangement based on a limiter i mean they might they might they they might have not intentionally right that's yeah. like a that's a by accident. Oh, there's so much compression and limiting happening. All the, this Everything has body to it. And you take it off, and it's the thinnest record you've ever well, heard. It's this all is the some, time. This is all the time.
0: This is something that I've run into a lot as a producer, where you write a song with an artist. Uh, I had this a while back. Uh, write a song, get a demo together, send it pretty quickly. Then they're like, okay, we want to try a different kind of production vibe. So we do a whole different production thing get it together. I, I deliver something that sounds like a pretty finished mix. It's got, you know, it's, it's at a certain level, everything's really slamming. And they say, yeah. can we try adding another bass and another guitar in the chorus? Cause they just want to <laughs> thicken it up. And, Great, and we're yeah. still in sort of production mode. We're trying things, but then yeah, all of a of sudden course. I have to think about the gain staging because what I've done is I've basically delivered a mix. I mean, it's not a yeah. final finished mix. I would send it to John. He it's would do some other things to it, but it's a mix. Everything is at a certain level. Everything is popping. I have automation on there. Um, but then it's like, okay, we're going to take this thing that's glued together in a certain way and add another significant element in the chorus. I have to actually reduce everything, if only to play a guitar and hear it properly, because I don't have any more room to go up without it just sounding super squished and super compressed. So I need to understand what I've done with my game staging, pull everything down a bit, take the master stuff off, and then kind of rebuild. Um, yeah. And it's it's annoying to think about it as like, oh, I can't just add a guitar and just go like plus guitar and then it works. Like yeah, that's yeah, what you yeah. have to do. I mean, that's what you have to do as a professional record maker and get in the habit of rebuilding things a lot of the time. I mean, you've even talked yeah. about this with mixes. If you don't get a mix quite right, which is rare, but you've done it before, you'll just save as and start from start scratch over. again and rebuild the gain again. Oh, because I meant some- to say
1: that about the, the Volta thing. I said, hey, I'm doing this, but, just, but if you don't like this approach, I can do a more preservative mix approach tomorrow that was going to be the end of that comment it's like allowing them to know this is what I'm, I'm going to mix it as if as though i hear the record that i think that you were going for and if not we can always go back to your game staging and have a more preservative approach because i like you and fuck with you i don't really want to do that for everybody because sometimes i don't like really care about like some shitty over compressed mix i just can't i can't yep. get my head around can, those and i don't you- want to
0: Honestly, can, you, can you address Zach's question really? You said you mix. Uh, yes, yeah, so I send it at or? that
1: volume. Yeah, I was going to just jump in and just quickly say, yes, yeah, go, a, go ahead. Like, the, the peak's at zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just care yeah. about my, my overall LUFS and um, average loudness, and the master gets sent at
0: zero, yes. Yeah, so, so the, the master gets I don't sent. have
1: a pre-master mix. I don't, I don't do that. I just mix with headroom.
0: You mix with headroom, and you're not putting tons of limiting and stuff on your shit anyway. Whatever nope. a master engineer may or may not do is sort of up to them. But yeah. your LUFS is certainly not at zero. It's uh, significantly no, It's usually
1: minus that. 10, between minus 8 and minus 12.
0: Yeah, but so some things will be peaking around zero, and you try to give them, again... Everything talk, peaks at zero, everything. Ta- talking about dynamic range, you want to maximize what you have there, so you sort of get it up as, as high as you can. Um, yeah, you yeah. you want to jump into a few other specific questions here? Sure, let's try um. Well, you actually talked about it before, but maybe you can just repeat it again. Your approach to uh, jake asked big kicks as it relates to game staging. That's, I mean, you sort of addressed it in a few ways here already, but I know you love talking big about kick, drum kick. Because that's that's such a fundamental part of your mixes and and psychologically how you how you feel mixes. Do you want to talk? Yeah, to your, yeah, yeah. You talked about it both with your mix today. You talked about it with the uh, you talked about Khalid stuff in the past. What uh, you got any uh? <laughs> yeah. Thinking about John hearing
1: my mix gives me anxiety.
0: <laughs> yeah. no, um, no, no. I wouldn't.
1: I wouldn't. I don't ever want anybody to feel that way. To be honest. So, a- no.
0: any other thoughts about about uh, kicks as a, as regards to gain staging? I guess we did kind of cover it a bit.
1: Um, I mean, the only way to get the proper full length of a kick drum is to have proper gain staging. That's like yeah. a pretty broad um, concept. Uh, and if you want to get full low extended. um low end you you need to have headroom you need to have room for a full 60 hertz cycle to develop
0: you've said this a few times but that's one of the reasons if you if you take all your multi track and you lower your faders you then pop up the kick drum and sort of see what that feels like um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it literally with the faders, but you talk about bringing everything down and then mm-hmm. having the kick drum really anchor the mix. That's a big part of how you... Well, yeah,
1: I turn everything down, give myself headroom, and I turn the kick up until it hits where I want it to hit. I yeah. turn the vocal up till it hits where it was hitting, because vocals are usually really loud in the rough mix. Yep. Um, nine, nine times out of ten, the vocals are the loudest thing in the rough mix and the kick drum. So if you're giving yourself that headroom, now you can actually get them the feel right together. Usually sit like this. I like the vocal a little behind the kick just because the low end is not as forward. Like mm-hmm. you'll filter the you not know, try to do things Sorry, that you are you talking about
0: show. are you talking about volume level? Are you talking
1: No, no, like a perspective. Mm. Like this is the perspective of a mix. You can go flat or you can like get that back wall. I like to mix with the back wall. Let me just get my hands right. So like this is where your like effects would be your time based effects all the way in the back. So atmosphere, what I'm looking ambient. at is
0: like you're doing like this basically. Like, yeah, this yeah, is the front, exactly. This okay. Yeah, thank you. You're thank just you. Just a side view.
1: Yeah, because you can't. I tell like how many from, like, hand this, and that. this
0: is this is going to be the this the snapshot of the of the IGTV. Which by the way, people are asking you can watch all these on IGTV. We're putting them up on YouTube as well. Like, let's the get the
1: vocal dancing back here and the kick up front. And we're talking about specific genres of music.
0: Like more R and B and hip Modern hop. Modern R and B hip hop. Yeah, the I mean, kick. It's...
1: They might be a bit more even, or the kick might be a tiny bit behind it, with a little poke up front. But the low end might be more compressed behind, or it changes. I, I, I tend to mix with my kicks out front. Um, I know a lot of my peers mix that way too. A, a lot of us just like loud kicks and loud vocals. So that's the cr- sound
0: of the sound of uh, music today. I mean, it's it's yeah yeah getting, yeah. Your, getting your so when you're reducing faders to you then get your kick to where you want it to be, you get the vocal to where roughly you want it to be, and then you're building around from there. That's yes. the fundamental of how you, there's a lot of questions about how do you actually set up a mix? So aside yeah, from- That's being how clip, I set up a mix. Aside from doing clip gain or at the end of chains after the you know the audio file and it goes through a saturator and compressor, or whatever, and adjusting the output of that so everything is uh, is hitting where you want it to be, yeah. you're actually physically moving the faders down six dB, popping up the kick drum, popping up the vocal to where those have a relationship. Again, you do this a lot, so well, you, you can... I'm
1: not physically moving the faders down. I wanted to make sure that... Oh, oh not, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The faders yeah. are staying at zero physically. The faders don't move. It's getting everything down 60 dB without moving the faders, which is what I was trying to get across. So I just want to correct that because I don't want people to think that.
0: Uh, okay, so that's that's a good answer to those. Okay. Um,
1: but yeah, get that kick drum to hit where you want it to hit. and The only way to do that is headroom. Because the minute you turn up a kick drum into a limiter, the limiter is now dictating the length of the kick. And also, that brings me to something I wanted to say when you were talking a bit ago before we went into this next question, which is every week I tend to challenge someone to do something. Mm -hmm. I, I have an overall challenge, which is know where your vibe is coming from. So if you want your vibe to come from one limiter on your mix bus then let it be known that that's where the vibe is coming from. But if you want the vibe to be coming from each sound choice, how they fit together in arrangement, the song, the vocal approach, the distortion on the vocal that's vibey and cool, the crunch of the drums that are coming from a drum bus that's giving a bit of glue to it, just let it be known where the vibe is coming from. So I challenge you to go back to your your most recent production or mix and say, where is this coming from? Take off your mix bus and where is the vibe coming from and then work backwards from there and just understand it because there's nothing wrong with doing what everyone's doing. I think a lot of people are doing it without understanding what they're doing, understanding what a limiter does, what different types of saturation do, and then it's locked in for the long haul and you can't get out and then a mixer can't get out of it either, and then everyone loses because everyone's like, "Wait, where did the rough vibe go?" And it's like, the vibe of the rough—you said you didn't even like—but that's the last thing that was anyway. You know, there's there's a lot to so go on there.
0: The, a way to think about this, I think, is if you use a limiter at the end of the process to smash your mix, it does create a vibe, but it's essentially one version of, and it's one vibe, and it may—it's probably not right for most things. If you understand gain staging and using saturators and transient shapers and things like that you have a lot more options for achieving different versions of that same result a limiter will do it one way understanding gain staging dealing with transients compressors subgroups those sort of things will give you a lot more options for how you want something to sound yeah let's check another question um so uh Oh, shoot, I, I didn't write down who, who asked this question. But mm-hmm. asking about two two things that you did. Are there differences in game staging fundamentals from a live organic record like Younger Days by, how do you say it? Is, uh, Joy Oladouken. Her, her, her name? Joy uh, Ola Oladouken uh, as compared to Another Opinion by Megan With both yeah. of which you mixed and produced? I produced
1: both of them. I mixed uh, the Joy record. I recorded, produced, um, and mixed the Joy record. And another opinion, I co-produced and Serban mixed it. Okay, um, I mixed the other Megan records on that album, but Serban wound up mixing that one. Um,
0: they're, so di- differences they're, between live
1: or They're both very different, but I yeah. was in charge of the game, the initial game staging on both of them. And Serban's mix is not very far from my rough mix. I think he just compressed low end more. and made the vocal harsher and brighter and like, I guess, in, did his thing to that and made the vocal thing, yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah, which is which is cool. It worked. Um, yeah. I had no no real notes, except for I thought the low end was a little too compressed, but not not make or break uh, for me. But the gain staging was very similar, um, except for on the younger days, since I recorded it, I recorded everything with ribbon mics and two pre's to my desired liking um, up in the loft with all live instruments. And by default, live instruments are going to have more dynamic range, right? I didn't use any compressors on the recording at all. I don't think there's any compressors on the entirety of that. There, there is a limiter on the mix bus on the Joy record on younger days, but there's no compressors at all. There's no 1176s. There's no LA-2A plug-ins. There's no anything. Um, there is a lot of saturation, um, both from the tube... Uh, preamps as I'm recording them and driving them uh, as on m- groups on subgroups
0: and uh, as I want um, to point out to people always saturation and those sort of things compress the sound they are not a compressor yes. but saturation is a form uh, includes in, in addition to harmonic information being added and changed yes. uh, also but these tubes the sound. don't quite do that they keep uh-huh. dynamic range
1: pretty much as they were Yet they have this illusion of moving things forward. It's very yeah. subtle. So that's that I had more control over. Now on the another opinion thing, I was actually brought in by one of my best friends, Tyler Johnson, who produced it to co-produce. And I went in the room with him and Megan, uh, I think it was at East West Studios at the time, before I took it back to my spot. I spent a day there with them. And my job was kind of to they asked me to kind of sort it out. They felt like it was too busy. And it's funny, the first thing I did, I dropped everything 6 D B and I started soloing the fundamental elements. I basically sat down to mix the record, right? And then we'd un-solo things or we'd solo something else. We'd unmute something else and Tyler and Megan would be like, I don't think we need that thing anymore, right? I was like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, right? So my job was to assess arrangement and I use gain staging to assess the arrangement. So that's a great question to ask by whoever asked that because great. I was hired to do that without them saying like, oh, you need to gain stage to... I got additional product, uh, co production credit because I changed the arrangement of things by giving them headroom to hear the mess that was going on. Um, super game cool staging, process. Game,
0: game staging provided you uh, another tool to ad- adjust a song. I mean, it's it's understanding yeah, I mean, I'm signal a, I'm a producer and
1: arranger. I think of myself as a mixer who understands arrangement, right? That's what I'm listening for. So when I'm soloing things and seeing the relationships between them, I'm thinking of arrangement. I'm thinking about well i don't if I don't know the songwriter or the producer in the room, I'm imagining being in the room being like, "Oh, this is why they did this part. this is where this one sits right so that was the case where I actually got um to uh, assert uh, my opinion uh, no pun intended there I was given another opinion and i was I, w- I started muting things and created space in the arrangement because now we could hear it all i, I don't remember any specific things that were muted, but there' were so many things going on like I, I, I soloed four elements and it was like, oh, that's the record. And I was like, oh, six. See, that's like, that's what I do in a mix process anyway when we're talking about soloing the kick, the bass, maybe the snare and the vocal and getting those things to hit right. That's because those are the fun and, and a choral element usually. Those are the fundamental elements of what the human ear is going to perceive in the record anyway. We can't hear more than three things at a time. So there shouldn't be more than five things that are even important in the mix because your brain's going to have to shift focus from one to the other, anyway, because we only hear three. So, or only perceive three.
0: Yeah.
1: So, that was my job on that. So, game staging was super important to the production of that record. And same to the joy thing. I wanted it to feel like you were in my loft. And for those of you that can't see completely, like this is where we recorded it, like right there. There were horns here, and there were strings, like there was everything. And I just put those gobos around it, right? Like it was in here. I wanted you to feel like you're in here. And if you put, throw a limiter on you' not that's not the vibe anymore. the vibe isn't in the room in the loft and it, you know
0: so anyway well, it sounds like uh those are great great examples of of, of what you do um, It sounds like by and large i mean the I think the answer to most of the questions about like kick drum or transients or live instruments or whatever, the fundamentals of game staging, understanding them will kind of answer all those questions for you, yeah because if you understand. How a sound a signal goes from here into a compressor into a mix bus into whatever, like if you take something that is completely un uh, unprocessed and uncompressed that 's a real drum in a room it 's going to have a wider dynamic range. You're going to be dealing with a different type of signal than, say, a plug-in that's going to be hitting uh, a, a, a sample that's going to be hitting exactly the same volume um, each time it hits. Obviously, people will play them sometimes or change the dynamics, but when it comes to live versus more programmed yeah. pop stuff, you're just kind of dealing with a different dynamic range, which gets back to you know understanding if you actually play softly an acoustic guitar versus, I don't know, play it on Omnisphere or something, Omnisphere is going to have a much tighter dynamic range versus somebody actually performing it. Someone who performs wildly on it and doesn't have great control over their ability to play guitar might require a different kind of processing and a different thinking about where it fits into the gain structure. Might require compression or saturation. But also
1: thinking about that on that Younger Days, on that Joy record, the whole time from the recording to the mixing My goal, our goal, the team's goal, everybody that was there, Joy's goal was I still want this to sound competitively loud. So if you put it next to Ariana Grande, it still has that same pop density. But how are we getting that? Are we getting that from smashing an overall mix? Are we getting that from oversaturating the guitars so they're bright enough? Getting the horns up in that space, like arrangement? How are we voicing the strings? How is Rob doing that? You know, how is Rob Moose doing that? That's that's how we're, we're creating the arrangement that dense and we're not relying on a limiter to get it there but that that record is at 0 and the LUFS is like -10 minus -9 minus it's loud it's equally as loud to my Khalid mixes and Harry Styles mixes and everything that I was doing at the same time right yeah. like, there's nothing different about that to say like oh I want it to sound like it's from the 60s so I'm going to leave it really quiet with 14 dB of headroom it's like No, that shit's all with the same intention of if that wanted to be played on the radio or viral top 50 Spotify chart, like it can hang. That's very, very intentional. That needs to always be the intention. If you're trying to be competitive in this, uh, in in popular music, right? Like you do need to consider that. So I'm not trying to, uh, tell people that they need to be super quiet. Um, I think dynamic range wins to a degree, uh, most of the time, but w- within a certain window. It's like, be real here, you know?
0: I think by and large, people are making things with smaller dynamic range. It's too loud that's going to get turned down by the streaming al- algorithms yeah. anyway. So this is why understanding game staging and signal flow is so important. It actually yeah. gives you more tools because um, the formats that people consume through which people consume music these days actually allow for a lot more dynamic range than mm-hmm. just slapping a limiter on. Uh, we got about five minutes left. We we, yeah. we covered a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, that, was, that was good. Let's see. Bah, bah, bah. Bit rates. I think everything is 32-bit. I mean, converters only I still only get
1: files sent at 16, and I just say, can you resend at 32, please?
0: Yeah, I mean, everything is 32. Don't, everything.
1: don't fucking dither, man. Don't. Down to,
0: I don't understand it. Well, Everything should be processed because 32-bit just gives you all more dynamic range once you're in the computer. Um, yeah. Then.
1: Oh, also, let's just throw in something.
0: I wanted, I meant to
1: say this earlier. Yeah. I don't want to minimize the, the the idea of getting vibe from clipping and peaking. Like, for example, yeah, yeah. Fruity Loops, drums that clip Fruity Loops have a vibe. I'm not saying don't clip Fruity Loops, but... You want Final it to be mixes, deliberate. Yeah, yeah that's that's intentional but what i'm saying is when i make something from fruity loops i give headroom so i can make sure the, that the character of those fruity loop clip drums still can hit the same way right like i've mixed for yeah. for boy wanda on um your 24 bit oh man fuck you guys i knew you were give it wait resend those stems no, i'm just kidding. don't do that word uh but Yeah, I was mixing for Boy Wanda on on a Nicki Minaj thing. And, like, I heard that Free Loops clipping. I'm not fucking with Boy Wanda's drums. I'm not trying to ruin his vibe, right? But I still gave myself headroom and I made that shit knock. He didn't say, like, the drums don't knock anymore because I was listening. I it's was the like- same
0: thing we we're saying about about you start with a dry signal and then if it has a selection of or a collection of plugins on them that have distortion, compression, whatever you're not adjusting this level because you want the relationship into the distortion, yes. the compression, saturation to be the same. You're manipulating the output of it. Um, yes. So if, if if Boy Wanda is sending you uh, Fruity Loops, drums, they're going to have that character of crunch in them already. And that's, a, that's a, a beautiful tool. I mean, it's one of the reasons people like Fruity Loops so much. Yeah, is that, exactly. The character so I, don't wanna,
1: that. I just don't want to uh, be talking about headroom and thinking that like every DAW is one size fits all. That's not true. There is vibe from clipping pretty loops clipping ableton just makes things sound really small and pro tools just sounds like shit when you clip it yeah uh so there's really no vibe from those two logic too it just sounds soft when you clip logic so i think pretty loops is probably the only one that has a vibe when you clip it i think cubase kind of has a thing it's digital it sounds like a bit too like crystal-y for me when you clip hmm. uh nuendo and cubase it sounds like uh i don't know i
0: haven't it used it sounds, in so long that was my yeah, first program
1: same was one of mine um I, I used to love it for that purpose and then it was like ooh but it doesn't sound warm when it like when it clips like fruity loops mm-hmm. has this kind of gushy kind of fat thing anyway i just i don't want to go one size fits all with any of these things but when you're talking about a final mix production arrangement it shouldn't clip yeah it just it, 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 um bits of things can clip kick drums can clip snare drums can clip but the overall mix
0: should should definitely one one thing I want to cover on here. We got about a minute or two left. We kind of covered the basics of the questions. There's a lot more questions, but I think we kind of covered everything. Um, mm. w- within plugins, that's something that people Never really need, really need to be careful of. Oof. No, keep, keep your levels low, inputs and outputs, and you know, not lower than anything else. But just as we're yeah. talking about, don't, don't be hitting zero on your EQ plugin because you may be no. losing bits of transient. Um, you know, if you have saturation yeah. plugins, uh, maybe pat it down for the next plugin, so you so you're not hitting red on your plugins unless you want a very. Just use deliberate- your input
1: and output. That's
0: why they're there. Yep.
1: Uh-oh, Every uh-oh. plugin at this point, I'm pretty sure, has an input and output. Even the Ott. When you put that damn Ott plugin on, you're you're nipping transients. It's getting you faux punch. Everyone that's using it, it's on this mix today, and I'm just like, I'm not succumbing to it. I'm taking that shit off. I think I ran up putting it on the. The drums and the bass, half uh, wetness like they had, half mix, because it was giving vibe that I'm like, I don't like this song enough to like really dive in on. But it's off the vocal. It's off the keyboard. It's like, fuck that on everything, putting the OTT on the mix. I'm sorry. Fuck that.
0: Well, so again, we're talking about gain staging. So at every stage, at every, everything that your signal is going to go through, signal flow, everything that it flows through, every stage of it has the potential for clipping distortion good or yeah. bad just be aware of every stage of the process. We we got about a minute left. I think we probably call it here. Hopefully yeah, we answered fun. a bunch of your guys questions. Um DM me if you got uh, other questions we didn't cover. All this stuff is going to be people are loving it. is in
1: fire independently. <laughs>
0: Not on the whole mix, I'm sorry, and you know that. All right, John's going to go on live after this and, and rail on OTT for I know, I know, I know, um, I know, I know. So, so hit me up if you, if you got any other questions. All this stuff on my IGTV, we're putting more episodes up on the YouTube channel, just kind of making it useful for people. So let us know what you like, specific topics. Shout out Topo Chico, sponsor us. <laughs> uh, love you guys. Uh, yeah, just DM me with any other questions. Um, appreciate. Love you, John. Thank you, bro. This love was you a good too. one.
1: That was super fun. All
0: right, bye guys. Peace.